Hello, this is Hearsay number 20. Cannot believe it's already 20. My guest today is Brisbane comedian Mel Buttle. Mel does loads of things. She's one of the hosts of The Great Australian Bake Off. She has a column in the paper. She's on the radio and telly all the time. And she also does a podcast with patients from the greats called The Minutes. We both share a massive love of dogs, so we go off on dog tangents a couple of times. At what point we were actually so engrossed in the conversation we were having about the beautiful basset hound she's dog sitting that we stopped talking into the microphone for a while. So I cut that bit out because you can't hear it anyway, but just so you know, there could have been loads more dog content from these two crazy dog ladies and I've saved you from it. (laughs) Anyway, Mel's funny show story is illustrated by comedian Tom Walker. You can check out more of his drawings and photos on Instagram at Tom Walker is good or you can follow him and his awesome comedy on Facebook if you search Tom Walker Good Comedian. Enjoy this week's episode, hearsay number 20, Mel Buttle. Mel Buttle, thanks so much for being on my little podcast. Yeah, hello, sir. Yeah, auf Deutsch. <laughs> Should we do it auf Deutsch? Yes, the whole podcast in German. <laughs> no, I don't know enough German. What do you know in German? Hello, hello, sir. Ich heiße Mel. Ich bin 35 Jahre. Ich habe ein, eine Hund, ein Hund. Ein Hund. Ein Hund. Ich esse gern Pommes Fritz. <laughs> That's really good. That's all you need to know. That is literally all I know. That's really good. Thank you. Your accent is southern. Oh. You you must have had a southern teacher. Maybe. Yeah. What's your accent, northern? I have a mixture because I grew up in – my whole family is northern. Yeah. But I – for the first seven years of my life was in Stuttgart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Stuttgart. (laughs) Okay. For those who aren't geographically inclined. That's so juicy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the first time I've talked about it on the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it is weird, I think, when you learn another language, you don't realise that you have an accent. But everyone does. No, I don't feel like I... Yeah, I didn't think of it. I was Mm. like, I'm just struggling to get these words out. (laughs) And I know it's ein, einer, einen, one of those. Take a guess. It's so tough. I have no idea. Yeah, so tough. Is it ein Bier? Ein Bier. Ein Bier. Ein Hund. Ein Hund. Yeah. I've been, I've, to fill in my downtime, I've I've got this app on my phone called Duolingo to, and it's been refreshing my German, but I still struggle with the same thing I struggle with in high school, which is, um, ich du esiest via ihr whatever yeah. one that is. Just like the, the masculine feminine noun thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I find it tough. It's really hard. I'm like, I'll just learn German the words. German sucks. <laughs> I'll shout, really I'll shout what I want. <laughs> it, yeah, everything sounds German when you shout it. <laughs> yeah, and beer. <laughs> yeah, sounds pretty it good. It doesn't matter if it's masculine or feminine anymore. It's just like, ah. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love keeping my mind active with a skill. <laughs> Good to, good to pass the time by learning something you'll never use because you can't afford a holiday to Germany. 
<laughs> Sorry for yelling, Sam. Hey, Mel. So normally when I start these interviews, I ask where you grew up and when you first started liking, you know, music or whatever whatever you do for a living. Mm-hmm. So in your case, it's comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the same thing in comedy as it is for musicians where you sort of like grow up wanting to do that or you grow up watching comedians mm. or did you just sort of discover it later? Kind of. It's not like – I think it's a little bit different. It's it's not like when I was eight I begged my parents for comedy lessons. Like it's not yeah. quite like that. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. It's um, – I just – my favourite thing when I was little was watching the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala. Me too. I so, loved it. Such a Still highlight. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Like the it was the I look forward to it all year. Me too. Um and I was allowed to stay up and watch it until a certain point, until the point where someone was rude and dad would go, Oh, you've seen enough, you've got school anyway. So that's <laughs> enough for that one. Eva's like, I don't get it, I'm six. <laughs> but there was just something about it when I saw mainly Judith Lucy and Fiona Lachlan and I thought that they were magic and they had these really interesting lives because they and they were just talking and it was so funny and so interesting. And something clicked in my little brain and I thought, oh, I reckon I could do that. Um, but I was very little. But that and then I didn't actually act on that impulse in a formal way until I was twenty-four. Wow. Yeah. And what had you had that in the back of your mind the whole time and then you were just like, fuck it. Throw caution to the wind, I'm going to do an open mic or something? Yeah, yeah. So how it happened was I was actually – I sort of danced around it out of fear for such a long time because I know this will sound weird but I I really don't like public speaking. So to me and my – I've tricked my brain that comedy is a diff, – it's different. Yeah. So I had studied to be a high school drama teacher and then in Brisbane this guy had a course for learning how to do stand-up comedy a six-week you know, you know, on a Monday night at Metro Arts, come and learn. So I went and did his course in stand-up comedy and this was when I was 24 and at the end of the course there was a performance just to family and friends and it, I – look, I don't actually know how well the performance went but I felt it went really well. Great. And I had a great time and it was this high that maybe musos have as yeah. well, like that. When you nail something. When you really nail it and the yeah. crowd love it and – you get that afterwards, like it doesn't go away for a, a long time and then you want it again. Like you're like, well, yeah. when can I do that again? That was awesome. Um, but then I only did that and then I sort of just kept watching comedy in Brisbane because I'm very naturally fearful. So I kept watching it thinking, oh, when I did that performance, it was just a fluke. And then the short version is I moved to Perth for a normal job, for a day job to work in the arts department of the Perth government because I wanted to get out of teaching. And while I was over there in a new state, I was like, no one here knows me. I may as well just do comedy because it doesn't matter if it goes badly because I don't live here. Yeah. And then open mics, you're hooked. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what was that course? Like what what do they teach you at a stand-up comedy course? Okay, so this guy who ran the course, his name was Robert Greeson. He was an American guy. His name was Rabbit? Robert. Oh, Robert. Robert Greeson. And he was like really like full on like set up punchline, he, which is a, a real kind of style that Australians, I feel, we don't go for. We love a bit more of a funny story or yeah. someone with a strong personality. It's not – we don't like that style that's like – my husband's so lazy. Here's six things that are about that. We sure. prefer it hidden in a pub well, story. Like a, like a Dimitri Martin two-line kind of 
mm. funny joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was teaching us this style that was, and you do need to know the rules before you can break them. They're really basic. You set up a premise, then you keep a surprise till the end, and then you say it at the end to surprise the audience. Right. So the word that is going to make them laugh, you don't say in the premise. Sure. That makes so sense. Little, this little things. And like the rule of three, like things are funnier in threes. Um, so you put the trick at the end. So you just learn these a few little skills from him. So I did, I did that. But also he didn't, his course was great to start off with, but he didn't really focus on um, a per, getting you a persona, which is actually probably the most important bit. Now, so, sometimes I teach comedy in high schools and workshops okay, and stuff. cool. And what I'm more way into rather than setups and punchlines is let's get your personality and find out what makes you funny with your friends and let's turn that up by 50%. Yeah. So are you like um, – you know, are you so anxious that it's hilarious? Are you so, like, are you a jock? Well, let's talk about you being a jock. Like, yeah. it, So that's what I'm – when I teach comedy, that's kind of the way I go for I sort of work with the person a bit more. But in his course, it was actually just quite helpful to just have a safe setting to do a performance in that wasn't, like, to a, a real audience, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I guess that's really important when you're first starting anything. You want to feel safe on stage and make sure that you have the confidence to even do it in the first place. It was so scary. I bet. So scary. Because I have this this thing, as you saw before, when you were setting the mics up. Not so bad now. I don't um, – I was – I didn't – this is the number one reason I didn't do comedy till I was 24 was I didn't want to risk getting feedback, you know, when you're talking oh, yeah. like on assembly or something. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> Like the, the classic joke in movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is this thing on? Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Beep. So I was like terrified of that. Yeah. Obviously that is just a weird tangible excuse my brain's come up with to deal with the anxiety of performance. But sure. I was also terrified that like the cord would come out the – Oh, yeah. <laughs> bottom of the mic and I'd be like anyway so I had all these weird fears <laughs> but I eventually did it um and now I don't find it scary at all unless there's stuff about the performance that I feel out of control with yeah yeah well that's like anything I think with performing music I f only get nervous if I feel underprepared and I suppose yes. that's the same thing if yeah for comedy I suppose do you have like a stage outfit like do you sometimes yeah are you like oh I can't do it unless I've got these shoes or I will yeah I think I do if I go on a long tour I feel like I get into those kinds of things yes do you have that I do yeah. I do that I've been trying to let that go yeah as I go on and not be so obsessed with there must be stockings on my legs I yeah. which is ridiculous <laughs> in Queensland <laughs> Like, I'm a, I've, I've talked about this before. I am. I always, always wear stockings. Me too. Yeah. It's a. I don't know what that is. In Queensland, it's in me. <laughs> it's yeah, stupidity. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. I have this if thing. I don't like. Like, I think the audience are at knee height. They shouldn't have yeah. to look at my. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So I, I have a thing. <laughs> I have a thing with stockings. Yeah. I have a thing with shoes, and I get really freaked out if I don't have a reliable pair of like gig shoes that I wear yeah. to every single gig comfortable were well, you walking around yeah comfortable know? gotta be yeah. comfortable and then um yeah I never wear pants on stage really but in my real life I yeah. love pants yeah it's a it's there's a few weird little oh it is weird yeah do you remember your first open mic and 
how you felt then or what mm. you spoke about? Oh, God, it was so bad. Okay, so <laughs> it's almost like a Freudian thing or like a psychological thing. It's like this is my theory anyway. This is not factual. But whenever anyone starts comedy, most people, the first few things they think to write jokes about are like poo, sex, <laughs> which all funny, all great, yeah, all great ideas. that's what I would write about. Yeah. Um, and then it – but it that's what my first few – gigs were about there were these made up jokes about really crass sex jokes things that had never happened to me but I thought would be people would find funny for some reason so so far removed from myself so I had a horrible horrible first five minutes I'll give you the my opening okay joke my first ever opening joke okay so I used to say um let me get this right Hey guys, I've got um, I've actually got really curly hair. Yeah, I'm, I've got very very curly hair. But tonight I've um, I've ironed it straight, and I burnt my clit really badly. <laughs> <laughs> this just doesn't even. That is pretty funny. But why would it just? That, I'm just like that didn't happen. That's it's just so it's like a shock laughter, I guess. It's but it's not a yeah. I would never do a joke like that today. But it was funny. I thought it was funny at the yeah, time. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. Did, and yeah. did you did you feel like you had a good response that night? Yeah. Do you remember? I do. I Like the crowd like definitely made a noise and like laughed <laughs> at it. Yeah, there was definitely a noise coming back at me. Um, there was that joke. That was my opener. The opener is very important. Um, <laughs> then the others were like, I can't remember the other jokes, but they were not. They were in a similar vein. Not very good. Very <laughs> a bit short, a bit one liner, and it took me um, ages doing comedy until someone said to me, "You should just tell the stories that you tell at parties on stage and just see what happens." Yeah. Just do it once and see if it works, and it did. And so then I totally changed my style and found my my voice. A bit more. Yeah. I feel like a wanker saying things like this about comedy because all I it know, is is it's hard to jokes talk about in a pub. It. Yeah. It's like, you know, no. but I've, I mean, I've, I've only seen you perform a few times, mm. and obviously, I've thought it was hilarious every time. But what I noticed knowing you outside of comedy a bit is that your on-stage persona is way more yobby than your real self. Yes. Yes. Um. Is that something that you made a decision to to be? I think it's a I think it's actually come from doing comedy in Brisbane in where you have to fight for your right to do the performance okay. sometimes. Yeah. Not at every gig. It's getting a lot better now, but you've got to talk to like at the Pado there'll be a hen's night, a buck's night, yeah. a table of twenty from a work function who've been drinking since five PM. And to kind of cut through and get their attention, I I've layered on a little bit of bogan. Yeah. Yes, in most situations in Brisbane, um, maybe it's a nervous thing, or maybe it's a um, wanting to be a bit more dominant to be heard or something. Yeah. But yeah, there is a little bit of that. It's super funny. Thank you. Keep doing it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I th- I like. It. I think it's this. This thing where I um, I went to a, a fancy all-girls school and knew that I wasn't one of those and I think I spent a lot of my life in high school, my formative years, kind of pretending 
that I wasn't what I was, but I'm not really that bogany either. But it's no. sort of like it's like when gay guys first come out, they seem to go really camp to really enjoy everything they missed out sure. on for like two years and then they sort of come back to themselves a bit more. So I think it's kind of that I'm still a little bit in that stage of... You're coming out as a bogan. I'm coming out as a bogan, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you go to an all-girls school? Yes. And was it a boarding school? Yes. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, I boarded in... I only boarded for like the last half of year 12. Yeah, right. Yeah. That sounds so stressful. I've, I don't know how I would... Do, I was just thinking about that the other day because some of my friends went to boarding school. Um, do you think that changed you as a person to be sort of a bit, bit more isolated or away from your family? Mm, no, I wanted to go to the boarding oh, school. Right. Yeah, I asked. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what people expect. They're like, no, I demanded it. Wow. Yeah, and I like rang up and booked myself in. And Wow. Yeah. That's got, amazing. Yeah, got myself on the waiting list and eventually a year nine girl punched a tutor so she got expelled <laughs> and I got her bed. <laughs> and I was in with Carol Wang. It was four. I'm in year 12. So I'm in a four bed dorm. So yeah. as you go through boarding school, you get more privacy as you get older. Yeah. So year nine was no door, no barriers between the beds. Like you're just having a sleepover. So just four, four beds, Carol Wang, me, this really rich girl from Noosa, whose dad's an architect who's like designed all of Brisbane. Christ. Um, and then a, I think there was a spare bed actually. Um, but then I eventually got moved up closer to people in my own age group. <laughs> But so weird. it was, it was so weird. It was so weird just being, and I hated the rules of it, but that, that sort of, maybe it's some weird Australian thing. Like I sort of hated the rules, but that made me enjoy finding ways to break them. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Were you a rebel in school? No. <laughs> <laughs> By find ways to break them, I mean, write a very funny poem. <laughs> About the school chaplain. Perfect. Or make a... Sh- that showed him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's... I was a more of a let's work around this in a in a way that will make people happy and laugh but Aww. not get me in any trouble. That's sweet. Um, so, no, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't naughty or anything, no. <laughs> I, I read that you're on the um, top 20 alumni mm-hmm. of your school. <laughs> And then I was like, out of interest, I wonder if I'm on the my school's alumni. Yeah. So Are I looked you? up <laughs> I looked up the school Wikipedia. I'm the only one on the school alumni. Wow, and that it is made a me great feel honor. really guilty. Also, it made me feel like I went to school with dead shits, because who am I? Like <laughs> Well, you're very creative, Saya. You're very talented. And the other thing is that both my brother and Simon, who played in Sekidan all like they weren't on the list. Oh, <laughs> that made me feel bad that they weren't on there. Well, you could nominate. Well, using your high position, <laughs> you could not make some nominations. Maybe I use the- my Wikipedia login and just add their just names. Just add, in. P- add anyone know. in. Add me in. I need yeah, the right. publicity. <laughs> anyway, that would make me feel weird. Um, because yeah, you never. I never Google my own name. So I do maybe- daily. <laughs> do you? <laughs> Yeah, I've got Google <laughs> Alerts set up for my name. Otherwise, how am I going to know who hates me? Do you worry about people hating you no, online? No, I used to. Now I just know not to read the comments ever yeah. on anything. No. Yeah. Just don't read the internet. No, don't I don't. read the internet on yourself. <laughs> I, I just want to see if like some show's gone on sale or something that I 
have forgotten that I have to do. But no, I've, sure. I've started writing these recaps, episode recaps for um, a show that's on Foxtel and on Channel 10 and it and I scrolled just to check the articles up and like see how they laid it out and what photos I use and stuff and then it's like comments and it had like <laughs> 61 comments and I just went, nope. So I did and I just proud so of proud you. of myself. So proud of you. Oh. What's the show? What do you? Oh, it's just I'm. It's just a TV show called Common Sense. It's like Gogglebox, oh, but yeah. with workplaces instead of families, and they just talk about everyday issues. Everyday Australians talk about everyday issues. <laughs> um, Is that a weekly thing? It's on. Yeah, it's weekly. I'm not really sure how they make it because it's like must be a quick turnaround because it's like relevant news. Oh. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, and then they give me the episode in the morning that it goes to air, and I write a little this week. Darren the butcher had some thoughts on Trump, <laughs> like, but in a funny way. Sure, hopefully that sounds good. I'm going to start reading your recap. But yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> you probably got other stuff on. Well, I do, but I'll still re- I'll read it as I do the other stuff. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. Um, I do enjoy reading your columns because you do like a weekly column for Courier Mail. I do. Yeah, and. I feel like, yeah, you you do so many things. You do um, lots of radio, yep. Triple J, Nova. Did you tell my parents <laughs> that, I, that I'm actually doing heaps of stuff? You do heaps of stuff. I do. I do have like a, you yeah. You did the, the Bake Off show. Bake Off. Um, you're also on the project quite regularly and, well, from what done, I've seen. Someone's done some reading. Yeah. Yeah. I do, yeah. Lots well, of little bits. Also, a lot of the time I'll like switch channels and you'll be there. And it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, you would think I'm, I would have a house that isn't full of someone else's dog's stench, but <laughs> that's not where I'm up to <laughs> in my but life. the dog that you're currently patting is one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen in my life. Wilbur. Wilbur, Wilbur. is a basset hound and I love him. His ears are softest velvet. I googled B- basset hound breeders today. Really? Yeah. Are you going to get one? No. <laughs> I Look, I want... I would love a second dog, but as you know, as a dog owner, it's kind of hard as it is doing it is. this job with yes. one dog. So I've been, this is a tangent, but I've been in Melbourne before and got a phone call saying, hi, it's Kerry. I live at number 36. I've got your dog. And what? I'm like, I'm in, okay. <laughs> All right, Kerry, I'm going to talk you through a few steps. There'll be a key hidden in a... <laughs> And I'm going to need you to tempt Ruby back inside. Now, she won't want to go in the backyard, Kerry, so you're going to have to go to my freezer, take anything. I don't care what it is, a steak, a lamb shake, whatever it takes, Kerry, to get her in the backyard. Oh, it's, yeah. That's stressful. It is a bit stressful, but I just love dogs. I know. We've talked about this a lot. And you've got a beautiful dog called Whiskey. I've got a beautiful dog called Whiskey. I try not to talk about her too much because I, if I start talking about her, I will never stop <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We, we can have a special off-air dog catch-up. Okay, great. Yeah, and you can meet my real dog, Ruby, great. who is outside due to her. reasons yeah. of based on her behaviour. <laughs> I um, would love to do a podcast just with dogs, but it would just be me going, are you a good girl? Are you a good girl? <laughs> <laughs> that would blow up. There's a lot of dog know, owners, people. Ridiculous. I got a... Um, an inquiry, because that's how my mum says inquiry. Yeah. Um, if I wanted to walk five days a week, a lady in Holland Park has three rescue greyhounds. 
Oh, I three. Said, I would love to somehow work out how to walk three at once. That's tough. With a, I don't know, somehow. There's a, um, that's a greyhound tangle waiting to yeah. happen. Do you have any advice? Because she was like, do you have any experience with greyhounds? And I'm like, oh, they're pretty. I know like, they exist. Their ears are soft. <laughs> what else do I need to know? Um, well, there's actually a family near us that own three greyhounds and they will quite often walk them as a like two people will walk three dogs. But I have seen them do it solo. Is it hard? And it, I think it looks fine. Okay. Like I, th- I guess if they live together, they're used to being walked together. So maybe that it wouldn't be too chaotic. don't know. Well, look, I'll nip around and I'll... Yep, I'll see what I can if do. If you need help, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sayer, do you want $5? <laughs> so you – let's just go back to you have a, a dog caring side <laughs> business. It's not a real business. It's so good. It's – I okay, so the reason I started this is I've just got back from – the first half of the year is when kind of all the big things happen. Yeah. So the first half of the year is the comedy festivals, yep. which – um, well, I can't do all of them because then the the Greatest Rain Bake Off starts filming. So we've just started. We've sorry, not started. We've finished season three. Yeah. So that finished in June. So then I come home and I go from working five days a week, five a.m. till nine p.m. on this TV show, writing the script for the next day that night, like really intense work. Um, to nothing, to just sitting at home. You know, going back to the normal, the actual work of being yeah. a comedian, which is I'll write my column, great, that takes two hours on a Tuesday. <laughs> That's done. Uh, and then I'll go and do a gig or two. And then for the rest of the day, you're just bored, but you can't go and get a full-time job or take a teaching contract um, because something might come up that you just can't say no to. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I know you know what what that bit's like. So to work around that, I was like, what can I do? Uber? No, I hate driving. And, and people. And people. <laughs> <laughs> I would drive around my friends. That is it. Um, but, you know, I know I know I talk about a million things, but this is actually a good business idea. I want to drive people to the airport in my car with their, their dog oh, so yeah. they could say goodbye to their dog at the oh, airport. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, because I want that. I'm I want like, that. Yeah, I know. I must write yeah, that down somewhere. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought nobody well, steal yeah, that idea. No one steal it. It's dog Uber or something. So I thought I can't do Uber because I get stressed out and lost. Um, what else can I do? I can't really just get a normal job at a cafe or something because every week the availabilities are different. So I went. I love dogs. I will walk people's dogs. So many dogs. I'll just go on this app. Um, there's a few apps, but. There's this one called Paw Shake that I use to get people to look after my dog. Yeah. And I just put a profile up and in like two days people are contacting you and it's not heaps of money but what it gives me is I have to leave the house. I have to go and walk this woman's dog in Woolloongabba three times a week. Um, Then because I'm doing that, I'm in the world getting stories for comedy and like meeting people or – Yeah. So it's kind of like a nice um, little – trick I've played on myself <laughs> to leave the house That's in great. a way. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good idea. Yeah. And pe- oh, as you know, people who own dogs are like, oh, wow. There's a rainbow of personalities. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. 
I was actually just talking to a friend today about how unbearable some dog owners are. Yeah. And then on reflection sort of went, I think I have almost crossed that line. Like I talk to my dog like a small child sometimes. But that's within your own home. Are you disobeying your mother? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, I walk Ruby up to the front door and say stuff like, we're going straight inside, no arguments. <laughs> Like, and yeah, it's mental, but it's not as mental as this woman whose dog I <laughs> looked after. I went around to, I just home visits, went and visited this dog. And I was like, okay, it's a, it's a little white Maltese oodle poodle doodle thing. <laughs> it's fine. It's like nine years old. And all I had to do was go around and, and visit it, feed it, done. And I'm like, anything I need to know about your dog? Where's the dog food? Where's the lead? And she goes, Penny does not like things on or near her face she needs her pajamas on by 5 p.m and i was like oh "Oh, okay none of that's happening (laughs) so you wouldn't be like that no i wouldn't be like no no like i get but i am a crazy dog woman now yeah i don't know what happened you got yourself a dog i just got myself you got your doggy (laughs) you got a beautiful dog that's what happened yeah so let's go back to talking about comedy. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I guess I don't know many Australian comedians, but I do um, wonder, you know, there's so many amazing venues in America that I mm. that I hear about and some of them I've been to and you know and, and when you listen to like Mark Maron's podcast he's always talking about Largo and all these places mm-hmm. where like people grew up doing stand-up and do you ever feel like you envy America and and comedians growing mm. up in that world? I even envy people in Sydney and Melbourne sometimes yeah. um yeah I look I would like to go to America and do comedy but not for not for the it would just be inside a holiday. There wouldn't be yeah. any ridiculous um, notions of making it. It would be like, I'm here. I may as well give it like a go for fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I get a bit jealous sometimes of the when I go and perform in Sydney and Melbourne, how the audiences are um, – well, first of all, all the, the – Tab the TAB screens are turned off. The footy's turned off. Um, they're more like a theatre crowd. They're like and they they listen. You don't have to fight for five minutes to get their attention. Then like there's just I just that there's a lot of that in in Brisbane. Um, not that there's not in certain venues in Sydney and Melbourne, mm. but there's just a slight more. It's just maybe I'd say twenty five percent easier. Down there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, obviously America would be fantastic. Yeah. Because I love food. <laughs> Have you ever toured anywhere apart from Australia? I did Hong Kong, I think. The, yeah, this time last year I did um, the Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow in Hong Kong. Oh, great. Which was so good. I'd, I'd never been anywhere in Asia before. It was amazing. The audience were mostly expats, yeah. though. Um, I did one gig once in Brooklyn in New York, but that doesn't really, I just was well, just there. Yeah. Um, but it was fine. It was great. Um, a lot of men in overalls. <laughs> Weird. Hmm. Um, 
But no, I look, I, I go and appear on this TV show in New Zealand. So it's like their Good News Week. It's a show called Seven Days. Um, but I've never done comedy in New like like stand-up. Yeah. But I've got, I go over there a couple of times a year and pop up on their show. But I'm trying to think. I think they're the only sort of overseas ones I've done. Look, I've done a lot of regional Australia and I don't mean to show off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to rub it in, but I've done Capella. Okay. Where is that? Far, just far north Queensland. Just yeah, like right. a sort of, I think it's a bit, it's near Mackay kind of. <laughs> There's like, it's the kind of town where, and you would you would know this, like you have to eat before the gig at 5pm yeah. at the one place that's open yeah. on a Tuesday or you're not getting any dinner yeah. and it's, everything is deep fried with chips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and someone after the show says, use cunts of choice cunts. Yeah, no, use cunts are fucking awesome. Oh, you, do you know Husey? I remember playing a show in, I think it was in Grafton and mm-hmm. after the show um, this middle-aged woman came up to the drummer and, and said, you made them drums piss, mate. <laughs> Sick. It wasn't even those drums. Them drums. It was drums. them drums. <laughs> them drums is a cool name for a band actually. <laughs> Get a notepad, write that I'll down. I'll never forget that. He That's made awesome. them drums piss. Yeah. <laughs> Regional Australia. Yeah, the the after the gig <laughs> stuff in, in regional Australia is is amazing. It's and just the people who are like come back to mine. I was like, no, yeah. because we don't know who you are. Like, and you can't just like be rude. And they're like, where are you staying? We'll come around the motel for a couple of beers. No, because once again, <laughs> I might get murdered. There could you. be a murder. Um, look, I'm sure you're very lovely. <laughs> But- I um when Sekiden, my my first band played in America, we there was a part of that tour where we didn't have anywhere to stay, and we were with this band that was like, "Don't worry, we'll sort it out." And so after the show, they would just ask people like, "Oh, can anyone put us up?" <laughs> and wow, so there were six of us just staying at these random places. It's amazing. Not one night did we have to find a hotel. It was it always worked out. But we were sleeping in like insane places. Yeah, <laughs> so, that is my worst nightmare. Yeah, like I not mean you knowing. can only do that when you're 19. Yeah, but true. Yeah, uh, this one particular place, this um, I can't remember where it was, but we went back to this guy's house. It was a really nice house, and um, and he said something about like oh how he he'd just been to jail, and I was like oh how why did you go to jail for? And I I think like my brother like kicked me under the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and he said, I robbed a target. And I was like, oh, what Like, what did you take? Like, how, <laughs> how did you get caught? And he said, oh, you just like stole a whole bunch of computers and stuff. And oh, yeah. I said, I had, how did you get caught? And he said, I had an I robbed target party and I made flyers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So those, but then you have that story to tell yeah, for the rest of your fine. life. Yeah, that's fine. That's is that white collar crime? Sort of. Sort I don't of. Know. It's fine. I did not get much sleep, but I do feel appreciative that that's something that happened to me. Mm. <laughs> that's a cool story. Yeah. You can't make flyers, mate. <laughs> oh. I mean, they would have had to have been like backup evidence, surely. More than just the flyer. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, there might have been <laughs> some have CCTV been or look. <laughs> Um, look, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, so I think there might have been um, a motive. Um, yeah, some evidence, a trial. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of podcasts, mm. segue, 
You have a podcast with our dear friend Patience. I do. It is called The Minutes and I'm so sorry, everyone. We haven't made one for a very long time. But if you've been on Patience's Instagram a couple of days ago, you would see that she is pregnant. Whoop, whoop. So exciting. So exciting. Um, And she has businesses coming out of her eyeballs. And, That's true. And, and Soda, who is... The most beautiful little child. So sweet. Yeah. Um, but I never understood... Until my sister-in-law and patients had a baby, that you ju- that you you can't just pop them in a room and make the podcast. Yeah. You can't like then it doesn't work like that. Either yeah. sodas in the room talking on the podcast, like it's it was it was just impossible unless yeah. there was a, another adult available to take her somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's why patients hasn't been on my podcast yet. Mm. <laughs> this is really hard. It's really to hard. Find yeah, the time. I didn't understand. I, d- I don't know what I thought would happen. Yeah, you like, just think, oh, they'll just go to sleep. Yeah, put it to sleep. <laughs> do it, give it a drawing to do. How hard? Is it? Oh, it it will, it's going to choke on the crayon. It's going to hit its yeah. head on the table. Oh, wait. yeah. <laughs> so complicated. Yeah, it's yeah. It's hard to understand when you don't have kids. Just put it over there. It's fine. Get a playpen. <laughs> put it in the playpen and if it makes a noise, go over it and give it a smack. I don't Easy. know. I don't, that's Easy. 80s parenting. <laughs> so you you talk about your dad a lot in your comedy. Yes. But you don't talk about your mum as much. She's not interesting. <laughs> She's unfortunately really boring. I No, I tried. I, I made an effort... I think it was maybe this show or no, the show before this one two years ago was like, I have to give mum a bit of airtime. Yeah. And people, it's it's a risk for me because people don't laugh as hard because the comedy isn't as big and obvious. So you sort of have to know, you have to have an understanding of kind of a whingy 60-year-old working class woman's like life to find sure. it funny. So with the stuff about my mum, for me, it's more risky doing it because it's a longer. You have to explain yeah, it more. It's a long ho- setup. A long setup. Hope they get the character of a woman who only goes into work on a half day a week because I'm stressed and my knees are blueing and my bowels <laughs> are, as you can imagine, all over the shop. Like I was like, mum, like so. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bit riskier and um. Men and women will laugh at the stuff about my dad, but m- I know mostly only women will laugh about the stuff about my mum. Sure. Um, but she's she doesn't have as many capers. Like, my, like for, I'll give you an example. Tonight, my dad is visiting. So my dad, my dad's partner Pam, her daughter's just had a baby. It is in the special care unit because it was born a month early. So it's and there's so, and I've I've visited babies in there and you have to wear a gown. Sure. Wash your hands. You can't actually touch the baby. It's so many safety procedures. So my dad bing sends me a photo tonight of this new baby called Zachary who's just been born and Barry has put a 20 cent piece <laughs> in the baby's cot next to its head and taken a photo to show like the the, the proportions yeah. on it. <laughs> I was like, I get that it's like you can't just – like they make you take your watch, ring, everything. Yeah. Oh, and he's like, yeah, I'll just chuck that piece of money next to that newborn that might have an immune problem. I was like, oh. <laughs> he just has more adventures, whereas my yeah. mum is just like 
might call Sandra. I don't know if Colleen's available for lunch, but, you know, too bad if she is or she isn't because I'm sick of her. And I was like, okay, like, I don't have time for this 40-minute <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, about these women. I don't know who they are. I really love the story, though, of your mum um, and her texting habits and how she was texting you to see if – uh, you could respond to Darren Hinch's request for a comedian. That's on his right. Show. Yeah. <laughs> and then you yeah. didn't respond and she just kept checking in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. How's that going? I will still get, she will bring over <laughs> things she's cut out of the paper oh. that she thinks I might like to look into. <laughs> so, not stuff I've done. She'll cut out like a story about like, um, and like some new Aussie actress who's made it big in Hollywood, she'll cut that out and just give that to me. I'm like, I don't do that. I'm not an actor. Like, ugh, I find it so annoying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, that's not really what I do. But you know, it's good to keep it's- up with the news from two months ago. <laughs> it's nice that she thinks of you. She does. She. I would hate to work with her because I know she talks about me nonstop. Yeah. I think oh. all parents do that, though. I'm sure my parents do that, too. So I'm not the most interesting. It's not that good. <laughs> my mother is obsessed with Ben Law. Yeah, I do love Ben Law as well. But I'm trying to think who, who's my mama. Does oh. she get obsessed with Patience? She, yeah, she, she's, yeah, she always asks about Patience and John. I'm trying to think who. Oh, you know who she's obsessed with? Um, Richard Feidler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's on the radio. He's on the radio. He's on the, he's a. Like, he's very clever. Um, <laughs> You've so, done stuff with him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I filled in for him when he was away for a couple of weeks and I was on conversations years ago with another comedian, a Brisbane comedian called Kat Davidson. So he was at, yeah, a similar thing, at my birthday or something and so so is everyone else yeah. in the world. But she's like, <laughs> Richard, like just like clocked, clocked him and now yeah. every day – Makes a comment. Yeah. Did you hear he had a woman on who eats with her foot? <laughs> yes, Mum. I'll I'll listen to it. Fascinating. <laughs> you know, I wonder if she washes it. I don't know, Mum. Let's not get into it. Like, yeah, very, very that. focused. That is great. <laughs> hey, are you allergic to dogs? Yes. Why are you doing this dog thing? To better myself. Because <laughs> um, I love dogs. What kind? What happens? Does you very you get dry itchy? skin? I get um. This dog's not too bad actually. I I, I just sneeze, oh. sneeze and sneeze and sneeze. I take an allergy tablet every day of my life anyway, just to be alive. Yeah. So that's I, I'm worse with cats, oh. but he this Wilbur here he doesn't annoy me too much. But the staffy puppy I had last weekend, even though he had less hair, just I just like cried, like water was just coming out of my eyes. Yeah, I'm allergic to dogs, cats, eggs, peanuts, seafood, but I love it, so I push on. (laughs) I'm not going to be told what to do by a prawn. Um, mm, Yeah, they're my main ones, asthma, eczema. Damn. Yeah, that's about it. How bad is the allergy? Like is it itchy eye sneeze or is it like anaphylactic? The peanut is really bad. The peanut is... Um, it, I have had really bad go to the hospital in 10 minute reactions with peanuts. Whoa. Yeah. But not with, I've, eggs are in everything. So like yeah. I, I've never eaten like scrambled eggs or an omelette or a pavlova, but 
Like if someone's made a cake and there's two eggs in it, I'll eat it and then just do a very interesting shit the next day. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad. It's not actually that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, as a um, on a personal note. Yes. So I've known you for quite a long time. Yeah. And then that time you have the most beautiful lady friend. She's hot, isn't she? Yeah, we're engaged Yay. to be gay married whenever that's legal. That's so lovely. Which would be nice. Um, she's amazing. I wish she was here. She'd be a better guest than me. She's a good talker. <laughs> she is a good talker. She's a great talker. Um, she sells cars for I a living. Know. So she's expensive cars. Expensive cars. Yeah. So she's smooth as silk. Um, <laughs> vocally. Um, but yeah, she's great. She's amazing. And she is not only beautiful on the outside, but also hot in her vagina. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. um, so is that is it something you, that you had to had to deal with publicly? Did you make that decision? Like I'm going to talk about being gay. Yeah, I thought. How was that? Because oh, I I was really torn on it for a while because it's hard enough. Because what I do, I think of what I do is a boy's job. Yeah, and it is when you look at sure breakfast radio teams, um, the project. There's only ever one woman. You know, it's just how it is so I was like I don't want to be even further unattractive to a commercial radio audience maybe or a tv audience by having lesbian like in my the top two words in my twitter bio for example so I thought how am I going to manage this and I thought the best way is just to just keep just live live my life and if it comes up I'll go oh yeah my girlfriend Sophie and just just be just normalize it instead of being like writing a press release yeah yeah we're here we're queer i get used to it (laughs) um so but what i did do after a while because i i thought you know what i'm going to put it on the internet and then if journalists or whoever wants to go and find it they can find that if they want to talk about it they can ask but it's not going to be the the first thing that they find for example so i did a ted talk which people um uh still come up to me and say they watched it and they liked it, which which is really lovely. I had a beautiful young girl in the valley last weekend at 4am <laughs> and tell me she was so inspired. Um, so that happens a lot, which is nice. But so I did this TED Talk where I um, sort of came out in the TED Talk in inverted commas um, and then I was like, great, that's done. Yeah. If you want to go and watch all eight minutes of that, you can <laughs> and ask me about it. But otherwise um, – you just have to work it out or yeah, yeah, just kind of not make it the number one thing because there's I don't want to be a gay comedian and like I just want to yeah. live my life. Like no one's like, I'm a gay bank teller. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No it's one, unfortunate yeah. that it comes up so much in creative fields. I mean, it comes up yeah. a lot in music too, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's unavoidable. But then on the other hand, it's like also kind of – it opens you up to a, an audience of, you know, of like a specific audience sometimes. Yes, yeah, Which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I do get some gay women at my show. Not not a lot of gay men that I know of mm. um, that maybe they just don't stick around afterwards to say hi because they're busy. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fine actually. It's been actually better. Because you're not constantly keeping a hold of your brain on trying not to say something, or yeah. so yeah. Did you feel anxious about 
Yes. About it? Yeah, I did I did for a while, mainly because not so much for me, but Sophie wasn't out to her parents for a long time. Yeah. And then when she came out to her parents, it was very rocky for a, probably two years or so yeah. because of um, the. there's a very niche religion you might not have heard of, say, uh, called um, Christianity. It's oh, new. yeah. Check I it out. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's groovy. They're pretty open-minded. Um, <laughs> so her parents were a little bit um, – a little bit. They were they were really difficult. Yeah. So I didn't want to be like, um, for some reason, it sounds silly now, I didn't want to be like on TV talking about being gay, which would make it worse for them or something. Sure. So now I just don't care. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was a bit... Been, of, it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was a bit aware of Sophie's feelings. Yeah, but now she doesn't care and her parents yeah. don't seem to care as much. So I was like, oh, who cares? We'll just yeah. do whatever I like. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But I was, it was more for her. And I got a lot of, not a lot, I got a few angry, like, messages being like, you should have come out early and been a role model. And I'm like, well, I'm not the only one that I affect. So, yeah. and also, like, but Whatever. they weren't saying you should have come out so you would tell tell the truth to us, to, you know, but they were saying you should have come out earlier so you could have so helped I could, people. So I could have helped people. Well, and that's be, actually not that bad. Yeah. I mean, it's still annoying. They, were so, they seemed quite angry though and they were like, you could, you uh, you should be a role model. Um, and some people said I used to make fun of lesbians in my stand-up and I was like, oh, I really don't remember if I did, but um, I don't think so. But mate, anyway, so I got a few angry messages feeling like people have been lied to or something. Oh. But I was like, oh, can't please everyone. It's my life, man. Yeah. Weird. So, but that was fine. That was like for like two days of my life. And yeah. People were fine. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. <laughs> Just have an extra glass of wine those mm. days and it's mm. fine. <laughs> Easy. Hey, Mel. So I ask everyone the same question at the end of the podcast. Okay. Which is, what is your strangest show experience or just the strangest thing that's happened to you because you do what you do? I reckon... God, there's been so many, say, I'm trying to whittle it down to something that is just normal um it can be as out there there's, as you like. there's bad ones like there's really bad but i don't want to do a bad one <laughs> um I'll, I'll, I'll say this one this um so we were on tour doing the melbourne international comedy festival road show in a regional town in victoria i can't remember the t- exact town somewhere like sale or somewhere like like that. And after the show, you stand at the merch desk and you sign T-shirts for people if they buy them or DVDs, whatever. And this guy comes up and he walks straight up to me and he goes, can I have a kiss? And he was like, not in my age bracket <laughs> at all. And like, just came, like, didn't try and like chat to me for a bit, like just like de- like like an uncle kind of demanding a kiss, and I was like, "Oh, you, <laughs> so cheeky." He goes, "No, nope, I want my kiss. I've seen the show, and I want my kiss." And I was like, "Oh," well. and I made a joke. I was like, "Oh, well, Dave here will give you a kiss," and Dave's like, "Yeah, come over here, cowboy." And the guy's like, "Yeah, no, <clears throat> jeez." And he like w- he got a bit annoyed and he walked away. 
And then I, I thought, what's well, this? Just, it's just odd. It's just a bit weird, you know. And then I see him in the line to line up again at the desk to buy like a t-shirt or something. So he buys a t-shirt, and they're like the. The, the tour manager's like, what size would you like? He goes, I don't care, whatever. Just give me one, doesn't matter. And so they just give him any old T-shirt. <laughs> and he works his way down the line to me and he goes, now, can I have a kiss? Bearing in mind, I've bought a T-shirt. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this, you know, like you just, for some reason, you're like, I, as a woman, I better solve this situation by giving him a kiss. Oh, no. So <laughs> as I, I was like, oh, Sure thing, because I was like, he's so persistent. He's not going to go away. Yeah, it was. It was like a fifty-year-old farm. I was like, I'll just do this and just you know clear the problem out of the line because he's holding up the line. And so I was like, okay, here you go. And I was sort of putting my cheek up to him. Oh, sorry, I went away from. Him. I was putting my cheek <laughs> up to him. But as I was, a, he was about. I could. T- he, I, I thought, okay, he's probably just going to kiss you on your lips. Just deal with it. And then I hear over the top of like the, the roar of the people at the merch desk, this woman go, are you asking her for a kiss? <laughs> and he like gets really afraid and he like goes, he looks around, he's like, oh no, oh shit, and like runs off. <laughs> it was his mum. He's like 90, 80 year old mum had like come to the show with him and like knew what he was up to. <laughs> So obviously he'd been like in the audience with her not all, all night going, hey, I'm going to give her a smooch later. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And then she comes up and goes, I'm so sorry. That's Gavin. He, look, he Googled you. He was excited you were coming. He's, I know he goes on about wanting a kiss, but he just doesn't know how to talk to women. He's lived in this town his whole life and I'm so, oh, you know. And like she just, she was, just gave me this whole spiel and then whips out this Tupperware container and like gave us like scones and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> May as well. But it was just so weird. It, like it was one of these situations where you, you don't – I, I didn't feel unsafe or anything, but I was like, I I don't know how to fix this. No. Yeah. So that was a weird <laughs> – a weird one. That is weird. Mm. And I – yeah, I feel for you. I feel like that's something that could have happened to me where you just go, the only way out of this is if I kiss this old man. Yep. This old creepy guy. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, because you know when your brain's like, there is no other solution. <laughs> That's it. There's no, there's no, uh, nothing else. I feel like a lot of other people would have just gone, no. But <laughs> there's some people like us that just can't seem to get to know. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll make him <laughs> laugh and then I'll be cheeky. And then if that doesn't work, like, no, I, was, I was like, Yeah. Oh, that sucks. But, but that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but he did buy a T-shirt, so keep that keep that in mind. T-shirt any size. Any doesn't size. Matter. Get, give him the shirt. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Didn't, do you want it signed? Nope. Just waits in the line, walks past everyone. I wonder what he did with it. So, but, so the bottom line is, though, you never had to kiss him. His I didn't have to kiss him. He, his mum stepped in and was like, yeah, man. <laughs> um, so obviously maybe he does this a lot. Oh, or may, I don't know. I wonder how many times it's worked. Oh, it must just be a numbers game. It must be I'll ask 100 women for a kiss and yeah. some of them, some of them got to give in. I actually was just talking about this with someone this week uh, where, you know, some people were like just right on Tinder like I want to lick your asshole and then mm-hmm. and surely that might work for one out of 50 women. They go, oh, okay, I would like my asshole licked. Yes, please. Thank you for for your lovely message. My asshole at present is unlicked. 
I live at 66 like, Arsehole Street. Surely that would work, you know, at it's some point. It's a bold point. tactic, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I, I did get the sense that not a lot of women under <laughs> 60 live in this town. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, oh, poor old fella. Yeah, I get I get that. Poor I get, old creepy fella. Yeah. <laughs> what a poor old creepy man. Um, so that was a, just a little weird, like it's such a small thing, but I was just at that age, well, maybe I don't even know if I'd be any better this age. So I was still young. I was probably only like 26 or something or 27. Um, but by young, I mean like new to comedy, like I was yeah. ca- kind of new to touring and stuff. Nowadays I would ha- I would – just sort it out. Yeah. But now, but back then I was like, well, he's asked for yeah. a kiss. <laughs> he's paid his money. <laughs> oh. Hey, thank you so much for being on my podcast, Mel. Thank you, it's Saya. so lovely to hang out with you at your lovely house and the, with the lovely dog. Z. Dog Z. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you meet Ruby now. Great. Maybe now I'll that just everyone's pack up calm. my podcasting equipment. Pack up your expensive $1,000 equipment. Get that packed away and then I'll bring in a large crossbreed mutt. Great. Okay. Sounds Thanks, good. Saya. See ya. Bye.